You're listening to the Leading Second Podcast, where we are on a mission to equip local churches everywhere to raise uncommon leaders. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning, and we never want you to miss an episode. So make sure you hit follow and stay up to date with all things Leading Second. Now let's jump into another episode for all of us who lead from the middle. From the second chair for the second chair, this is Leading Second. Second Podcast. My name is Jenna and I'm one of the team members here at Leading Second. I'm so glad you've joined us today. We've got a great episode in store. One of my favorite parts is the reminder that ministry is a marathon and not a sprint. Amen. Hallelujah. Anybody else need to hear that today? Because I know I do. (laughs) Well, before we jump into the interview today, we have Jason and Liz Clammer sharing their story while leading from the second chair. Let's listen in. Hey guys, my name is Jason. This is my wife, Liz, yes, and hello. Uh, we are from Experience Church in Calgary, Canada, yes. and we love having the chance to serve on the pastoral team as associate pastors uh, under our lead pastors, Pastor Jonathan and Natasha yes, Lambert. We love them. They're the best. How long have you served at your church? So we've been there 10 years, uh, almost 10 years, which is really exciting. We've been on staff for five years, and in that time, we've just served many different areas, pretty much every different area, probably, I would say. What was it like when you first felt called into ministry? Yeah, I love this question on being called into ministry. I think that in my early 20s, even late teens, there was a lot of frustration kind of questioning around calling. What does that look like? I think lots of friends had clear and defined directions they were taking with their lives. Uh, For me, I've always just had a passion and a heart to work with people. And so I actually in university studied uh, behavioral science and kind of explored that direction. But I think calling for me, I really felt was built out uh, in two ways. One, uh, through relationship. I've uh, been so fortunate to have our, our lead and executive pastors way back in the early you know, first years of our church, just invest time in me and really just call out some of the gifting and call that they saw in my life. And uh, I remember being in university, kind of one of the last classes as I was taking in school, uh, kind of pondering direction. Uh, I remember just this quote we came across from an author, Andy Crouch. He just said, your greatest impact will likely occur where you already are with who you already know. And uh, for me, that really just made things personal and it really kind of opened my eyes to be like, man, I'm in a great church. I'm planted right here. I don't have to be somewhere off in the future or a different country to serve God. Uh, I actually should lock in and just give my whole life to what he's doing here locally. And I haven't regretted it. It's been an amazing five years on the pastoral team and kind of 10 years overall. Have you ever had a moment that you felt like quitting and how did you overcome that? Yeah, I think that um, we've never wanted to quit. I think there's times where it's felt like, man, is quitting the only option uh, that's available to us? And I think right. uh, that would have come out of a really you know, uncomfortable, challenging season a number of years ago where we were just exploring uh, our role and, and is this the best fit for us in ministry? And you know, tell them a little bit about kind of our season and what we were walking through just in terms of even life change. Yeah, totally. So we had just got married became pregnant shortly after and you know we're kind of campus pastoring all at the same time and there was so many incredible things about that season for sure lots of amazing relationships and cool growth opportunities but I think you know 
personally, we definitely had some struggles. My mental health um, was in kind of a precarious spot, having just had a kid and just struggling with all of that. Um, and I think just in the role itself, we felt, I don't know, square peg in a round hole, swimming upstream a little bit, whatever analogy you want to use. But there just was something that wasn't maybe fitting in that season. And, and I think that was challenging because it was like, oh, well, if this doesn't fit, does that mean none of this is for us? Or... Right. Yeah, we just weren't sure, and so that caused a lot of doubt. I think some insecurity mm -hmm. on our part as leaders, and 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 hurt, and and pain too, just on the personal side of things, struggling outside of ministry. If that makes sense. And I think the best thing for us is we just embrace the tough conversations, and we found we were just welcomed so lovingly as we just processed. Hey, yeah, uh, we do see the calling on your lives as well. We want to continue to make this work, and so through a series of tough honest, open really conversation. Tough, really honest. Uh, we just found incredible <laughs> healing and uh, support from our pastoral team. And we've just been so fortunate and excited because we've landed, I think, in a role that we occupy today that is making a real big difference in our church and just feels like a custom fit yeah. for us. And so uh, we're so grateful that uh, we navigated that season with just incredible uh, leaders and uh, that we were so supported. And uh, yeah. we can't imagine ourselves any other place uh, in any other role. Yeah. What's one thing you would like to tell someone who's just getting their start in ministry? Yeah, I think that um, it's really important that you just remember that you matter more for like who you are uh, to God than, than what you do for him. I think that, uh, you know, it's easy, especially when you're jumping into a ministry role to really just uh, get the skewed thinking of like, oh, I matter for like the results and what I do. Yeah. And obviously we want to be effective. Uh, we want to uh, reach people for Jesus. But I think our hearts are so important when we serve in ministry. And so just having that uh, revelation and that reminder that, man, I just matter more for who I am. And as a result, I'm going to like embrace difficult conversation. I'm going to, you know, pray and, and be open and honest before God and really just um, be confident that uh, I've been, you know, invited on a team, uh, whether that's in a volunteer or a formal, you know, paid capacity to be uh, the person that my pastor sees me to be and, and not to kind of try to get out of lane or out of line with uh, trying to be somebody else, but really being yourself. And I really believe that as you do that, uh, man, you're just going to be effective. Uh, you're going to be um, the person that you need to be in your church, uh, in your role, on your team. And it's just going to make a difference and you're going to have a ton of fun uh, doing so. your leading second testimony please reach out to us on instagram at leading second we can't wait to hear from you for today's interview we are honored to welcome dylan ritchie who is the ministry director from coast life church to the podcast today brandon sits down with dylan to talk about being faithful in serving let's jump into the conversation dylan so glad to have you on the podcast today uh thanks for spending a few minutes with us how you doing I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's it's always an honor to be on Leading Second Podcast, being able to have a conversation with you and, you know, just being able to relate and connect with second tier leaders is, yeah. really, is really my heart. So excited to be here. Well, we love your voice. I love the way you communicate. I love the way you carry it. Um, I'm going to deal with uh, my salvation right now because it's freezing cold in Washington. You're in Florida. Um, I don't even want to talk about it. I got to be with you guys a few weeks ago and, um, I, I loved it. So I'm, I'm just, I'm working through some things here today as we're talking. I just want you to know that, but, um, man, man, your church is so special. Tell everybody a little bit about the church you're part of. 
Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm the executive director of ministries at Coast Life Church down in sunny Venice, Florida. So I lead under Pastor Jason and Pastor Heidi Warman, two incredible pastors. They planted the church for going on now 12 years down here in Venice. It was actually a replant. So they took a church, um, right. a year later shut it down and reopened the church under the new name Coast Life Church. And, um, you know, he, he tells the story and, you know, started from small beginnings, but has just been so faithful uh, servant in yeah. this community for the years that he's been doing it. And we've seen God breathe on our church and we've got the opportunity to serve so many people in the area every weekend. So it's, it's a blessing and an honor to be a part of what God's doing through our church. It's really special. And you guys are literally renovating and building a new building in a pandemic. Uh, so you got guts and, and uh, we're, we're here for it. We're here for it. We love what God's doing. So this season of the podcast is from the second chair for the second chair. I just really wanted our tribe to get to know some of the great uh, second chair leaders, uh, at least that I know. And um, so I wanted to ask you some questions so that everybody knows who we're talking to today before we get into the good stuff. Um, but I'd love to know, first and foremost today, uh, when did you feel called into ministry? Like, like in, these are quick answers. This is the lightning round here. But uh, like, like, how did you find your way into ministry in the first place? Yeah. So let me give you the bullet point answer. So Boo Conference 2018, Miami Beach, Fillmore Theater. It was day two. I was sitting in a, a, I believe it was the second session and we were being led in worship by the Boo worship team and they sang the song, So Will I. And inside that song, it says that the stars were made to worship, so will I. And this was one, this was the one that got me. It said, when, with, a, with if the wind goes where you send it, so will wow. I. And at that moment, I felt like God spoke to me and said, are you sure? When you mm. sing those words, are you sure? Mm. And that's when I had come to the realization that I was sure that if God wanted to send me somewhere and he wanted me to be a part of building the kingdom of God, that I was ready to go. So it was a powerful moment. I still remember the moment. I still remember where I was sitting. It was incredible. Wow. Sometimes God just has to get a hold of us, right? Uh, like we have our plan and then God has a plan and it's a better plan. Um, what do you love most about being a part of Coast Life Church now? You know, first and foremost, I think it's it's the people that call Coast Life Church home. You know, our, our, our church family, they they sacrifice like no other. Mm. Um, they're generous like no other. They support the mission of our church. Every time that we come up and we cast vision on a vision weekend, you can feel the excitement, the expectation, and the anticipation in the room when vision gets casted. And I'll tell you what, it is so easy to go into battle when you have an army behind yeah, you. That's and right. I just love that we have an army of people behind us that we call our Coast Life family that are just ready to build God's church in this community. You know, you all have one of the strongest cultures that I know. And I saw this pre-pandemic. I saw it during pandemic. Uh, I've just been so impressed by how you've driven culture deep. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the episode today. Um, what is the first thing you do every morning? And are you a morning person or a night owl? I, I would say that I can be a morning person. Um, I have young children, three of them under the age of six years old. So uh, mornings have become more difficult as evenings have right. become more difficult, uh, <laughs> bedtime routines and all that fun stuff. So, but I would tell you that one of the first things that I will do when I wake up in the morning is I'm either going to go see my kids 
or they have already walked their way into my room and they are sleeping in the bed. So I already get to see my kids, but um, you know how ministry is. It's fast paced. We're always on the go. We're always looking to serve people. So anytime that I get to spend with my children, whether it's eating breakfast in the morning or, or taking my six-year-old to school, I will, right. I will take that time and I will cherish that time that I get to spend with my children. So that is number one. If I'm with my children in the morning, I'm spending time with them. Yeah. Uh, and that is spoken like only a parent can say it, by the way, like, like feel, feel that one deeply. Um, what is a book or a podcast that's been influential on your life and on your leadership journey? Yeah. So I would say one of the podcasts is podcasts that I got connected to early on in, in leadership and in ministry was the Craig Rochelle leadership podcast. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm always on the go. Like I said, I, I like things that are going to give me content very quickly. That is super practical. And his yeah. 20 minutes or less of leadership has, has just been so helpful for my leadership. Cause like I said, it is practical. It's very direct, but it's also very simple. Um, you can take it and you can apply it to the situation that you're walking through right then. Yeah. It gives you tools to do it. So it's been extremely helpful. And then a, a book, I'll tell you, this book has changed my life. And that's Hearing God by Nathan Pinocchio. It's mm, a yeah. fresh perspective on really hearing the voice of God and what that actually means. I feel like a lot of people say that, like, I hear the voice of God, or you need to hear the voice of God. That book breaks it down in such a simple way that I was like, oh my goodness, this is what it means to hear the voice of God. So. That's great. That's great. What are you doing to stay fresh and agile as a leader right now in this season? Yeah. So I'm, I'm learning the importance of the Sabbath, that there's a reason <laughs> why it's in the 10 commandments. Yeah. Aren't, aren't we all? Yeah, exactly. I, I walked through, I would tell you, uh, probably one of the most difficult seasons I've walked through in a long time, uh, about September through November. And, mm. um, actually took an opportunity for the first time. I am now a huge um, supporter and advocate for counseling, but I had the opportunity to open myself up, meet with a counselor. And when it came down to it, the reality was, was that I thought I was Superman and that I didn't need to stop and I didn't need to rest. So, um, it was, it was the overwhelming amount of work that I was placing on myself that mm. ultimately took me to a place where I, where I experienced some unhealth. So I, I took some time off, took a few days off. I did a spiritual retreat and really regathered mm. myself and I, I learned from those two days how important it is for me to be intentional with the Sabbath, that I need to set right. aside time to be in prayer, to be in rest and really recuperate so that I can continue to run at the pace that I love to run at. Great. Well said. Well said. So along those lines, um, I wanted to ask you for a few minutes today to talk to us out of a favorite leadership lesson that you have. And, um, I just know there's gold out there in second chair leaders everywhere. I've heard you teach on things like this. I wanted you to take a minute and speak to it. So, um, I'm going to set you loose 10 minutes. Don't go long. Blessed to the short winded. They will be invited back. I would just remind you, no, I'm joking. Uh, but, but set you loose for 10 minutes. Like, like talk to us, like you were talking to everybody sitting in a room, uh, your favorite leadership lesson. Yeah, sure. And, and, and this is a, uh, this is a leadership lesson that I have used more, most often with, with young leaders. Um, I get the opportunity to speak to our interns every once in a while. I get the opportunity to lead leadership track at our church, which is really our leadership course that onboards people into leadership. And this is one of those messages that I feel like is super practical and really helps people. And, and the title is provocative. <laughs> 
but the title is how to win the race. And really the whole idea behind this teaching is that it's more of an outline of success or for success than a cheat sheet to victory. Um, you know, even, even the best athletes don't win every race, right? But all of them understand what it takes to become a champion. And in Hebrews 12, one through three, Paul, or the, the author of Hebrews writes, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such an such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And, and what the writer is doing in this portion of scripture is he's comparing the Christian walk to a race. And when you take that illustration and you start to look at it and you start to, to peel back the layers of comparison that come when you talk about walking and being in relationship with Jesus and, and even walking out ministry in, in the church. And then you take it and you compare it to competition, specifically a race. I think there's some principles that we can learn when you start to make that comparison. And, and I want to talk about those today. And, and the first one is, is you have to understand the race that you're in. Mm. You have to understand the race. You know, I think most people go into ministry and even, even church leadership, I would say, sometimes with the wrong perspective, we get really excited about the call of God. We get excited about the opportunity to step into calling. And sometimes we take the wrong approach when we get there. You know, mm -hmm. ministry is not a sprint. It is not a sprint. It's a marathon. I think all of us would say that when we, when we got into ministry or we decided to, to, to step into our calling as it pertains to God's church, we had made the decision that this was going to be something that we did for the rest of our lives that where we really truly felt the call of God. And it was something that we felt like it was going to be the thing that we devoted our lives to. But then I started looking at really just some statistics of church leadership. And I started to look and I found some statistics that kind of concerned me a little bit, which is why I started to, to dive into this information and this teaching. And it's that the average lead pastor will be in his role for four years. And then a youth pastor will lead for approximately three years, sometimes less, but other ministry roles outside of those two roles will be in ministry from 12 to 18 months, which means that if you, you're in a leading second capacity, if you lead from the second chair, that the average time you will spend in ministry is less than two years. And I started to think about that. And I was like, why is that? Why is it that we get so excited and, and we get so, so prepared and, and in our hearts, we're, we're driven and we're ready to, to follow the call of God on our life. But yet 18 months later, so many of us are making the decision that maybe this wasn't for me. Maybe this wasn't what I was called to. And then we're stepping out of the thing that God's called us into. So I started to think about that. And I was like, man, maybe, maybe that's what it is. Maybe we we misunderstood the race when we got into it. And then I think the second thing is, is once you understand the race, once you shift your perspective from, hey, I'm going to run fast, I'm going to run hard to, hey, I'm, I, this is actually a longer race than I thought it was going to be. And this is a little bit more difficult than I thought it was going to be. Then you can do the second thing, which is determine the pace. And that's where I want to spend a little time today. I want to, I want to help us understand what it means to determine the pace. And there's three things that I believe will help us determine the pace when it comes to ministry. And the first one is, is you have to know how to start. 
I was watching the Daytona 500 this past year and very early on in the race, I believe it was lap 14 or 16. Um, there was a young driver who actually made a move, a very aggressive move that you wouldn't normally make at the beginning of the race. And as a result of this young driver making this move, what ended up happening is a significant number of drivers, many of them very experienced, were taken out of the Daytona 500 very early. And when they were talking about this, this crash and they were talking about the decision that this young driver had made, what they were saying was, you don't make bold moves at the beginning. Mm. Like everybody knows that you don't make bold moves at the beginning, that the best way for you to learn, the best way for you to understand the course and the race is to follow the cars in front of you. As you watch how they adapt to the racetrack, watch how they adapt to the people that are involved in the race and you follow the cars in front of you. And that's where we get one of these leadership sounds that I love that we use here at Coast Life Church. And it's, you're an echo before you're a voice. Wow. That as a young leader, as I step into ministry, I need to understand that I need to first become an echo before I become, before I develop my own voice, that I need to learn the language of the culture of the church, of my leadership team, and of my pastors before I ever get the opportunity to develop my own voice that I need to learn from those who are more experienced than me so that I can be developed underneath the leadership that I've been called to serve. Mm. And I love what Aristotle says. He says, he who has never learned to obey cannot be a good commander. So what is he saying? He's saying that I need to learn to be an echo. I need to learn to serve a vision greater than myself. I need to learn to serve under leadership that has gone before me so that I can learn from them and yeah. develop myself inside the calling that I've been called to. And Hebrews 13, 17 says, obey your leaders and submit to them for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief for this would be unprofitable to you. What is the writer yeah. of Hebrews saying? He's saying, submit yourself under the leadership because they love you and they're for you and they're ready to develop you. But sometimes when we feel like we need to make our stand or, or make our get our name out there, or now that I've stepped into this role, I'm going to make it mine and I'm going to do the thing that I think we need to do to make the church better. The reality is, is that more often than not, what you end up doing is you end up taking yourself out. But more often than not, you end up taking the people around you out with you. So we need to learn how to first start. How do we start the race? And it's to come into alignment with the leadership that we've been called to serve under. And then the second thing is we need to learn when to push. You know, race cars, they accelerate on the straightaways. And why do they do that? They speed up when the vision is clear. Hmm. When there's a long distance of sight for me to be able to accelerate with there being a low risk because I understand what's in front of me. And Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. If you try to accelerate in a season with no vision, you will die. You will die in your calling. You will sometimes die in your relationship. But like this can take people out. When you mm -hmm. try to make moves and you try to be aggressive in a season where there's a lack of vision, maybe for you, wow. or maybe vision yeah. hasn't been casted for the next season yet, but yet you're going to try to make aggressive moves. So we need to learn that in order for us to be able to accelerate, we need to receive the vision we need to have an understanding of the vision. And that is when we have the ability. And those are the seasons and those are the situations where we can then step on the gas pedal. Because it's hard to know what will happen in the turns. 
And then the turns is where we, we have to decelerate. It's where we need to rest a little bit. It's where we need to regroup. It's where we need to recalibrate and we need to wait on vision. So when we receive the vision, we're ready to run. But what we do need to understand in all of this is that there will be seasons when you need to sprint. At some point, you are going to have to step on the gas pedal. And the best time for you to step on the gas pedal is when vision has been casted. You know, we run in seasons at our church and these are, these are four months. So we have three months on and then one month off. And we as leaders and as the serve team, we understand that inside the season, not that rest period, not that fourth month, but inside those three months, that's our straightaway that we're getting ready to run fast. We're getting ready to run hard. There's going to be some large events. We're running group ministry within that season. This is a season where we're going to have to push. But in order to win the race, at some point, you are going to have to accelerate and you're going to have to push. And then the third thing is you have to know when to rest. You know, Hebrews 4, 9 through 10 says, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from his. Here's what I've learned about NASCAR is that all cars need maintenance. I was under the understanding, I'm not a huge NASCAR fan, but, but I've become fascinated with it after that crash and kind of watching ESPN. And, and, and as they started to talk about it, I was like, man, this sport's cool. But one of the things that I didn't realize is that at some point, every car hits pit road. I was under the understanding that if you didn't go into pit road until you had damage on your vehicle. That doesn't make a lot of sense with people who are doing 500 laps. But for me, that's how it, that's how it made sense in my mind that the only time you went into pit road was when there was damage to the vehicle. Hmm. But the reality is, is that at some point the wear and tear, even not in the big crashes, but just the reality of running the race, all cars will need maintenance. So all NASCAR cars at some point will enter pit road throughout the race. And those that do it best are those that know their race car. You have to understand your race car, understand yourself. If I could give somebody some quick advice really quick, get to know yourself. There's so many different ways for you to get to know yourself. I love the Enneagram. I love the disc assessment, all of these things that are becoming more and more popular in the church. What is it about? It's about coming to understand yourself. It's about getting to understand and getting to a place where you understand how your race car works. So you have to understand your race car. And then the second thing is a person that the driver trusts most is his coach. Have a mentor in your life. Have someone in your life that is pouring into you. And then what I would encourage you to do is listen when they speak. The driver of the, of the race car will always listen when the coach speaks, when the coach gives direction. Why? Because the coach has sight and vision that the NASCAR driver doesn't. Drivers have blind spots. Coaches can see blind spots. So when a coach speaks, it's important for us to listen. And when he tells you to go into pit road, it's time to go into pit road. And what I learned about pit stops is that a a full NASCAR pit stop, I'm talking gas, I'm talking tires, all the elements to a pit stop will take 12 seconds on average. They've been known to last as, as short as two to three seconds. And why are they able to bring a car into pit road and able to do maintenance on it so quickly? It's because they have a system for maintenance. Right, right. So they understand how the vehicle works 
and they understand where the problems are so that when they come into a place of maintenance, which would be our Sabbath, which would be our time of rest, we have a system for it so that we can get out of pit road more quickly. We need to understand our race car. We need to visit pit road when it's time to, to visit pit road and don't wait too long because then the time you will spend in pit road will be much longer than you originally intended. And then when you get there, make sure that you and your team, whether it's your wife or whether it's your team members, whoever you're connected to, that you've developed a maintenance or a system Great. for maintenance when it comes to your vehicle. Don't wait until you're in pit road to determine your system. I went on a, that spiritual retreat that I talked about for two days. And before I went there, I, I mapped out what I wanted to accomplish. But yeah, there was some time where I just needed to sleep. And there was some time where I just needed to rest. But then there was some things that I knew I needed to do in order to get myself healthy really quickly. So determine your system so that when you get into pit road, you can get back out of it quickly and you can continue Great. to run your race. So it's so important for us to understand the race that we're in and for us to determine the pace so that we can run fast and we can run hard in this thing we call ministry. Boom. There it is, man. So good. So good. Thank you so much uh, for sharing that with us. That was amazing. That was amazing. For the rest of our time today, Dylan, I wanted to jump into a conversation with you on being faithful in serving. Faithful in serving. Or we could just call it being faithful in work, you know? Uh, just be being faithful to get the job done in ministry, uh, but really have a conversation on team building right now. Um, as you know, I've been kind of on this journey of studying Jesus, um, instructions, uh, evaluation of the churches in the book of revelation. And, um, I've been making my way through it in various ways. And, um, I wanted to specifically focus on one. It's, it's, I think five letters in, um, in revelation chapter three and verse one, the church at Sardis and, um, Jesus has some really interesting, uh, evaluation of this church without getting into all of it. Basically his, his assessment is that they are known to be alive, but they are dead. And that is because their work is unfinished. Their work is unfinished. Um, and he says this in, in Revelation chapter three and verse two, wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Um, he's, he's encouraging them to hold fast, but to return to the work and the deeds that they were called to. And there's a lot we could unpack there. I just feel like when I read that, I think about this season. I think about the great resignation going on in our culture. I think about um, the concept of work is under attack right now. You know, where we have we're having a lot more conversation about self care, and so therefore, anyone that asks you to work hard is like choosing violence or something. Right. You know, and and so as a result, um, team building. Um, recruiting people for our volunteer teams. I think you've probably seen it. There's a drag, there's a headwind on it right now that exists in churches everywhere. And so let's just talk about it for a minute. And first of all, I would say y'all are culture ninjas at coast life. I love the culture of your house. Um, what are you doing to drive culture deep right now in this season? Yeah. So 
like you said, we, we talk a lot about culture here at Coast Life Church. We love culture. It's actually the first session in our leadership track that I spoke about mm-hmm. earlier, where we onboard leaders. Our, our night one, our session one, which I just taught this past week, is literally called culture, where we talk about the culture of Coast Life Church. But the first thing that we do is we take time to explain the significance of culture and why culture is important. And then we explain how we then take culture and we apply it to the ministry. And what I would tell you about culture is that um, it's important for us to define it, refine it, teach it, and coach it. Mm. And what I mean by define it is when you know who you are, you know who you aren't. That when you define who you are as a church and who you are as a people, then it's very easy for you to understand who you're not. So the first thing that we do with culture is we define it very clearly. The second thing is we refine it. And as your church grows, I think it's oftentimes we experience this, that things attach themselves to the movement that weren't originally part of the design. And we have to be diligent to make sure those things don't become the new identity. So we have to be ready and prepared and intentional in making sure that we remove those things so that the original design stays together. You know, it, I love it. It says it in the Bible that, that the little foxes spoil the harvest. And it's these little foxes that attach themselves to the movement that ultimately ending, end up spoiling the harvest. So what do we do as leaders is we refine it. We make sure that as something continues to grow, that it still stays the thing we originally intended it to be. And then the third thing is that we teach it. We develop a system of assimilation for culture. And that's our leadership track. That's where we teach culture. We teach language. We teach verbiage. We teach what we need to for someone to who originally wasn't in the Coast Life family to become assimilated to the Coast Life family and then become a carrier of culture inside of the Coast Life family. And then the last thing is, is we coach it. I love this statement. We see it and we say it. That there is no delay and there is no hesitation in coaching. One of our values is that we are a coaching culture. And I love the statement because it says we desire feedback and our heart is to be developed through coaching. So as soon as you come on the serve team here at Coast Life Church, we make it very clear that coaching is just a part of our culture. So what do we do? If anything doesn't align with our culture, we see it and we say it. We coach it immediately and we don't let it linger so that we can make sure that we keep the original design and the culture of our church sound as more and more people become a part of it. Well said. Well said. Do you feel like you're talking about it every week? Yes, every week. (laughs) (laughs) I I say the word culture more times than, you know, many of my children's names at this point. So, (laughs) but I think that leaders live under this false assumption like, I'm going to be able to just set it and forget it at some point, you know, when in reality, like culture is a bucket that leaks. And so you are constantly refilling the bucket if you want to have a strong culture. Okay, so what are you seeing that is working well in building teams in this culture, in this season? And also, um, what have you guys tried that just did not work? That was an epic failure. Yeah, let me go there first. (laughs) During COVID, we had this idea that we were going to launch a beach location. That beaches were the first thing that opened up down here in Florida. Nothing really closed in Florida, but I would tell you that beaches were the first thing that really 
opened back up. So there was a pavilion that was probably five or 10 miles away from our church. And we, we rented this pavilion and, and we set up a satellite campus that we were going to be able to go out and invite people down on the beach up to worship with us on Sunday morning. And I'll tell you what, we, we thought we poured everything into it. We thought we had the leaders. We thought we had the team to make it happen. Um, and the leaders and the team were the only ones who showed up. So needless to say, that one slowly went by the wayside very quickly. And we, outside of this call here, this conversation, we, we don't talk about it very much. I was going to say, I've like never heard of this before. That was amazing. Oh yeah. We launched it strong and pulled back real quick. That's amazing. That's awesome. So, so how are you seeing traction, um, building teams? I mean, this is like, we're in the great resignation. Um, you know, you're, we're dealing with, with, um, sustained headwinds of apathy and resistance toward work. So how are you effectively building teams right now in this season? Yeah, I'll be honest with you, Brandon. This is something that I'm very passionate about in this season. Um, and that is in order for us to build team in order for us to continue to move church forward, I truly believe that we need to get back to casting vision and we need to get Mm. back to building faith. Mm, that I understand so the realities of what happened during COVID. I understand that, you know, I, I lost some very close friends. I lost some high level leaders at our church that I was very relationally connected to. I lost them within that season. And there's some pain and there's some hurt that I had to walk through, but it's time to get back to building church. It's time to start casting some fresh vision. It's time to start building some faith inside your teams and inside your church. And I believe that if we will start doing that, if we will, and we've seen it within our church that we casted vision back in November. And it was really that first time post COVID that we had set some very strong vision and our church rallied around it. And then we had, we just took opportunities to continue to build people's faith that God is doing something in the world today, that he's doing something through this season, but that he's not done doing it yet. And we just saw his faith and expectation started to rise in our church. And when that was met with some fresh vision, we, I would tell you, we've got some serious upswing and some serious momentum moving into this next season of our church. Great. Great. Um, what are you doing? Let's, let's counter that for a minute. What are you doing to lead people, not just to a place of busyness, but a place of health in their serving simultaneously? Yeah. So again, since we're on this momentum swing, um, we're, we're seeing, we're seeing opportunities get presented to us. We're seeing opportunities, um, to do ministry in places and in spaces that we've never been able to do it before, or, or we haven't had the opportunity to do it before. And one of the things that's helping us build team and promote health is that we're inviting people along on the journey that we're allowing people inside to see what God is doing through our church that we are giving people opportunities, whether it's through our outreach program or I love my city or or some events that we do for the community, we are inviting people in so that they can get some eyes to see that even though the world says this, and even though the situation looks like this, that God is still doing something very, very significant in the season that we're in. And he's still ready and willing and ready for his church to move forward. Great. What would you say is the most important rhythm you have in team building? Like something you're doing consistently that's producing the most fruit? Yes, I would say a couple of things. The first is that I talked about it earlier. Our church operates on seasons. So throughout the year, we have three seasons. We've got three three months on, one month off. 
So what we've done is we've scheduled an intentional time of rest. So inside mm. of the season, those three months is when our groups operate there. It's when our care ministry operates. Um, we ask our serve team members to make a commitment within the season. And then in those times of rest, we're not operating in groups. We're not having people show up two, three nights a week, but also we're having conversations with our serve team members to say, where are you at? Are you excited? Are you happy with where you're serving? Or do you want to start looking at other opportunities so that there is a time to sprint and run? Then there is a time to rest so that we can get prepared for the next opportunity to run. And it's that rhythm that we've really seen um, health come to our team and health come to our leaders. And then the other thing that we're doing is, is we're really making it clear that there's opportunities in God's house and through us communicating opportunities. And, and I, we've seen a significant amount of people um, show really some, some excitement behind this idea of, of our leadership track. We've got, I think, 36 leaders going through leadership track this season, the largest group we've ever had but it's also the most energy and expectation I've ever seen in the room. So um, as we start casting vision and as we start inviting people along on the journey, we are seeing people step in. So as the serve team grows, we see an opportunity for leaders and we're giving opportunities for leadership. And then from there, the serve team continues to grow. So it's this rhythm of grow the team, grow the leadership, grow the team, grow the leadership that is really allowing us to, to sustain health in this season. It's well said. And I'll admit, I'm a little intrigued by this idea of like organizational team rest. I think we can all get our head around a Sabbath or a personal rhythm, which of course we need to have. And that's a conversation that many of us need to have as leaders. But um, the idea that our teams would actually do it in unison is actually pretty interesting to me. I wonder if, if at times I've not given people the permission to truly rest. You know, I wonder if sometimes we've glorified uh, work only and not work in the context of Sabbath rest and just giving people permission to, to do that so that they're in it with us, you know, for the long haul. Yeah. You know, um, obviously you're in Florida. We recognize that, you know, people have different restrictions, different, um, culture, um, some have leaned into the government's leading in this time restrictions. Some haven't. So we understand the differences. One episode we have in, in these few weeks of the podcast is, uh, from a, with the team from Canada, who's had a very different, you know, uh, season than you. So we recognize that, but I think faith always resonates. Would you maybe just end us today by talking about the importance of faith? And you mentioned leading people back to a place of faith. We just kind of land the plane and maybe um, build our faith around that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think when when you read the Bible and you and you read, especially the New Testament, specifically Paul's letters. I mean, he's writing those letters in a time where the the church experienced some very serious persecution. Um, they were killing Christians. Christians were having to go into hiding. It was a very difficult season for something to be birthed out of. And the reality was, was it was the faith of the people. Mm. It was the faith that they had in Jesus. And it was the faith in what they had in their leadership. And it was the faith that they had in what God was calling them to that pulled them through that season and ultimately brought us to the place that we are today. And I think that's so applicable to the season that we're in 
as the local church is that this is just another season where we need to rely on our faith in Jesus Christ. We need to rely on our faith in leadership. And then we need to rely on the calling that's been placed on us in this yeah. season and know that as we can, as we build faith, as we believe that God is not done building his church, that he will pull us out of this season, just like he's pulled his church out of every other season. And we're going to experience fresh vision and we're going to experience yeah. fresh faith. And we're going to move the church forward in this next season, like never before. Well said. I couldn't have said it better myself. And, you know, at the end of the day, too, we have to remember that when we are inviting people into ministry, we are inviting them into their high calling uh, of God in Christ Jesus. And we are not inconveniencing people. It is not violence to ask someone to work hard. It is it is inviting them into the plan and purpose of God. And do we, do we need to do it healthy? Yes. Does rest need to be in the conversation? Tragically, yes. It hasn't been, and it needs to be. All that is true. But at the end of the day, work is good. Work is of God. Serving people. I mean, we were all reached because of someone's works for God. So, you know, this is just an opportunity for us to be faithful over our moment. What, what a privilege that God chose us to lead during a pandemic. I know it probably hasn't felt like a privilege, but just think, he chose you and I to be here in this moment, in this season, to lead his people through one of the most challenging times we've seen in generations. So maybe let's take heart and remember if he's called us to the season, he's going to grace us for the season. And that includes people on our teams. And that includes every sort of provision uh, for the vision. So Dylan, thank you. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you for your voice. We love you a lot, man. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. for listening today. If you got anything valuable out of today's episode, go ahead and share it with your teams or with a friend in ministry, because that is what Leading Second is all about, linking arms and growing together. And hey, if you call yourself part of the Leading Second family, we would so appreciate it if you would take 30 seconds to leave a rating and a review wherever you find yourself listening. This helps us get this podcast and this message out to more second chair leaders that need to hear what is happening here each and every week. So we thank you and we appreciate you so much. For more information, you can check out leadingsecond.com. Follow us on Instagram at leadingsecond and you can join us in the Leading Second Collective on Facebook. Facebook.